I can't wait until they come back down. A couple of, like, having three Pi 4s, I think, would probably... I really uh, did think about the 400, too, because, I mean, they're a little more reasonable, I guess, as far as price tag. And, yeah. you know, you can do quite a bit with those, too. It's just yeah, I didn't want the big extra bulk. Yeah, and and I thought about it, too. I mean, like, uh, I wonder if you could, like, if there's cases out there, if you took out the guts of it. Yeah, just probably. Threw I, away the keyboard. It'd probably still be cheaper. <laughs> aren't they like the compute module, but like a little different? There, it, it, the last time I looked into one, it was like just a really long Pi Four. Yeah. But, uh, and that was just to have all the uh all the connectors at the back. Yeah, because they they still have the header stuff. I think mm-hmm. available. I think and whatnot. so. You have to have like a little breakout cable or something. For yeah, it. yeah. But um. And let me see, because certainly you can crack it open, right? Let me see. Coming up in this episode, the history of Raspi... No, Raspberry Pi OS. What we've been doing with Pies, and we run something... Over the break. Welcome to Linux User Space. I am Leo. And I am Dan. Still and always. Yeah, still. Still the same. Well, something, something's changed. Something's been going on. Um, I... I don't know if we're looking to make a change, but uh, I know Bruno has mentioned he's he shook the boat, and I don't I don't know if I like it. Yeah, in I the last live stream he did. I don't don't why he shook the boat, and so okay, so uh, just today he dropped in a um, a video over a Zima board SBC. Why why would you do this when we're coming up to the Raspberry Pi episode? I don't know why you would do this. I don't know but, little little single board thing. Yeah. Right, but but it's an x86 board. It is. Not an ARM board. Don't rock the boat. Right. But it's it's got me curious because they uh he's kind of made a good point. You can't really buy a Raspberry Pi right now. Yeah. Uh well, not without a massive massive markup. So for about the same price as a marked up Raspberry Pi 4 right. with all the bells and whistles, you can probably get your hands on one of these Zima board SPCs. But mm. but also stirred up in the last live stream were these NanoPi R2 or R4 things as well. And yeah. those are ARM-based. Um, they're like rock chips. So they got me wondering, too, because they've got like two network ports on them. And making uh, them the exact right type of hardware for a router. Yeah, yeah. And I, I do I've been pondering this one for a while. I mean, I've I've had my current router, which is great. I'm no complaints. Um but it's a desktop computer. I mean, it's a smaller desktop computer, but it's still a desktop computer nonetheless. Mm-hmm. It's got an i5 in it with like eight gig of RAM. So I mean, you know, it's like really powerful, but with all the AES instructions it, for OpenVPN and WireGuard and everything else. But I don't need that. Like, I mean, I don't 
I find myself, I, I don't even open up ports anymore because I use tail scale for things. Um, oh. and I don't even like it just, it like those tunneled connections are happening without any firewall openings and so I, the, I don't so need the, a VPN and I don't need any of that stuff. So I just so need a router. So the hundred watts you're pulling from the wall probably aren't necessary because the router is not doing the, uh, encryption decryption stuff. Yeah, no, it's not. And like... I don't even have that much bandwidth, so I don't even need to, like, even if I had something that was of lesser, I wouldn't even be throttling my internet bandwidth anyway. So I, oh. I just need something that uh, can kind of do the basics. Um, and you say, well, why don't you just get one of those home things? Well, I had one of those way back when, a long time ago. And everything, you know, like, you have to reboot it on a regular and was like, this was this before you slower? fully embraced the nerd? Oh is yeah, the, is that what you mean? Like you're you're talking yeah. like a Linksys thing or a Belkin thing, right? Yeah, yeah. But even the best of those, I've found for other people, you know, they're they're they get to the point where they start complaining about it, and they're like, I got to reboot it all the time, and I'm like, mm, yeah, it's time for a new one. And yeah, so or, they're just or, like little disposable things, and that's wasteful, and I don't want to do well, that. And it, well, the the in their defense. Those Asus ones with like mm -hmm. the 700 antennas, they look like the head crabs from yeah. Half-Life. And I think that's yeah. kind of cool. Yeah. So, I mean, if you just got to color it, you got to paint it. You got to take it outside, check off the plastic and like paint it like a head crab. And then that would be kind of cool. Like I, at that point, I feel like you can have that router. You could just continue to use that router because it is a head crab. That's fine. But mm. I really see the value in really owning the hardware yep. and software stack of your router. So... Yeah, so that's the other thing. My wireless is separated from that, right? Because I have, mm. you know, you know, Unify APs. Oh, okay. I didn't know you were a Unify house. Okay. So and so am I. Yeah, my APs yeah. are, and so that's separated, and all of that stuff's kind of extracted from the router itself. Mm -hmm. And so I don't even I don't need the horsepower for that either, right? And so. Right. Yeah, that's, is that running in a container or a VM or something? The uh, the uh, the software. It is a container. Um, it's a it's an LXC container on my Proxmox now. Of, I actually migrated. Of course, it. it is. I migrated it from um, a virtual machine to uh, LXC container on my Proxmox, which that was a fun. Okay. I did that recently, and that was kind of a, a good experience. Um, it's very easy to set up. Um, obviously. Um. So you just, you know, you pull down the XML backup thing and then you import it when you start up your new one and you're off to the races again. So. You're, you're going to have to. Um, so I've, I've still been kind of knee deep in the Proxmox thing. So mm -hmm. you're going to have to show me how to do this uh, VM to container kind of conversion. Um, and, and, you know, as soon as I said that, it was like the 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 two muscle guys, you know, mm -hmm. doing the thing meme. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, you're going to have to you're going to have to over the break. You're gonna yep. have to. By the way, this is the last episode. Yeah. Of this season. season, I don't. Yeah. I don't know if you know this. Uh, well, you do now. Person listening. Yeah. <laughs> but but you do now. <laughs> yeah. This is the season finale, uh, which is why we're totally um, not making any sense about anything right now. But yeah. Uh, so you're gonna have to show me this container thing. You're gonna I have will. to show me over the break how to how to do this conversion so that I can also uh, leverage the all. Uh, all-encompassing power of LXC it, it, uh, because I, I hear so much about it. It's pretty cool. Uh, I'll give you the high level. Uh, basically, I just pulled down the uh, Ubuntu template because that's what Unify wants to run on. Mm -hmm. And um, 
So pulled that down and, uh, you know, got it all set up so I can use Ansible on that. Um, oh, nifty. So then I can add, I, uh, there's actually, I have a playbook. Oh, and I like how he says it, <laughs> audience. I like. I have a playbook. I, have a, uh, <laughs> I didn't create it, okay, but I did modify it a little bit, and then so like I ran the playbook on the on the thing, and it set it all up, and then all I had to do was uh, you know shut down the old one and turn on the new one and import the the database backup, and that was it. So I, I did I didn't migrate anything. I actually just stood up a whole new machine. It would have been the same oh, if okay. I stood up a VM too. So the, I was going to say the last couple of times I did it, I uh, but I don't know what I did, but I had broken it, mm. and uh, I just I just nuked and paved and then mm-hmm. readopted it. Yep. And I was like, why ah, didn't you have to readopt? It was like if I, you know, when you import it, it knows the devices that you have on your system. And oh yeah, but I started from scratch. They, they uh, find because it. I'm mm-hmm. uh, I am not smart. <laughs> oh yeah, well I have a bunch of those. They're easy. They like like they're little XML files. They're like super simple. Ah, that's cool. That's really cool. So I want to get a new router. I'm I'm right there. Like so, I have a use case for this now, and I it's got the wheels turning. Um, ARM board, you know, or something low powered that doesn't have yeah. fans. All Trading of that the hundred stuff. watt desktop for a like three watt friendly elect r2s mm-hmm. which i think is like between the pi 2 and pi 3 in in terms of uh like performance yep but there's also for 20 extra dollars there's an r4s Four, yeah. that is uh more akin to the pi 4 which would be enough without vpning which as you mentioned we don't do right. uh, both both you and I don't do that we offload that to something else right um the R4S would give you gigabit line speed i think uh, i think they were benching it at like 930 megabits which is plenty, uh, which, plenty. yeah i think that exceeds my gig link already mm-hmm. like i don't actually get the whole gig um yeah there's other and, factors and, into that yeah and i and i say that it might just be my edge router it could be. Not being able to handle that's probably the full... about, that's probably about what that handles, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, th- this thing could really just have the horsepower of what I already have, which is uh, another ARM chip, which is funny. But um, I just I I want to embrace the ARM, mm-hmm. and that is a good way to do it, an easy way to do it. Well, I'm I'm trying to score a couple of wife approval points. Um, oh, how because, do you do this? Well, like I said, I got a full-size desktop sitting in the living room think of all the pottery and plants you could put in its place right yeah yeah and and, and, (laughs) and don't get me wrong i could still have that for a fallback if you know for whatever reason my my little 80 dollar investment doesn't doesn't pan out i can i can fall back to the desktop that's tried and true and works um so you know i'm i'm pondering it i really am it looks good, and you can get them on Amazon for a slight premium, but then we did the shipping calculation yeah. to get it here in less than two months, mm-hmm. um, and then it wasn't really much of a premium, I no, think. No, it was about the same, maybe even a little less on Amazon, actually. <laughs> yeah, I think you saved about eight bucks um, <laughs> getting it directly from Amazon, which saved you the uh, the shipping from China uh, on these friendly elect boards, but um, you know, you you got it. You, you can actually start playing with it. And, you yeah. know, if we decide to do this over the break, uh, which would be fun, uh, we could actually have it in our hands soon-ish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So 
I don't know. I'm still hovering over the buy now button. Um, it'll. It looks good. It, it, it's got a real good possibility, honestly. Well, so. the, the most the most important thing, and then it's going to roll into a show if we ever get this done, um, is that these boards, the, the friendly alike R2S and R4S, are fully compatible, 100% compatible with IP Fire, mm-hmm. which is one of the most open firewall slash router solutions built directly on top of Linux. Not taking bits of Linux and then doing things with them, but a full Linux stack right. from top to bottom. That's what IP Fire is. So, you know, if if we get these boards, there's gonna have to be an IP Fire episode. We gotta go into the history. We gotta do the whole thing. Yeah, it's got uh, a so, good possibility. I and I'll say one of our listeners, uh Cubicle Nate, he has uh got a few IP an, Fire boxes out there. He's that, an IP Fire guy. You know, that it's it's the only distro I've ever known him to use that is not OpenSUSE. So yeah, uh, honestly, it 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 bring me into all Linux instead of like right now my router is BSD, right? So it's mm-hmm. uh, OpenSense. Mm-hmm. So is that good or bad? I don't know. Find out. It's something. And so the the to finish it out, we have the Zima board option now, mm-hmm. which uh, Bruno has mentioned to us. Yep. Um. And there's a two gig uh, of RAM version, a four gig of RAM version, and an eight gig of RAM version. They all have a bit of internal storage, but uh, I, I would suppose that, um, well, I guess you wouldn't have to, right? I mean, if, if you're just running a router on it, 32 gigs is probably enough, and four gigs is well, they more had SATA, than enough. SATA connector on them, uh, from yeah, what I saw. So you, can, so you just put an external, it wouldn't be external, it'd be like an internal drive that's external, um, and give you all the storage you want. Yeah, these are Intel chips, so they are they are x86 chips. This right. this goes against the grain of the whole uh, a little bit. of this there's entire still, episode. So they're still really low power, though. I mean, they're Celeron, so they're not going to be the power hungry Xeon or you know even your Ryzen you know AMD chip. It's not going to be any yeah. of that. It's no. it's it's a lot lower in in power, but obviously still lower with... in performance too. But still pretty good. Yeah, but still bringing in with it the decades of baggage that x86 uh, commands. Mm-hmm. So, but but this is again why I wanted to get away from x86 in general and go to ARM. Uh, but it's still enticing because for about the same price, yeah, a little more, you get but not much. Lots of performance yeah. with, uh, I mean, tons of of connections. You mentioned the SATA. Um, and, uh, you know, tons of USB, and I think there was an actual, like, PCI port yeah. or something. Yeah, that you, they showed, uh, like, I saw. You, you plugged an external video card, like an NVIDIA yeah. video card into I, the thing. I'm so like, that makes me think, cool. like, could you do, could you do, like, Steam Deck-style gaming on a TV with something like that? This is... Maybe. Th- this is opening some of the doors to, um, to just having a whole lot of fun. I mean, diving in and just embracing the whole nerd. Yeah, uh, all of it. <laughs> yeah, so I, I don't know. That looks pretty interesting as well. And like, I could run my OpenSense uh, stuff on it. Uh, I wouldn't have to transition to a different, yeah, know, piece of software if I didn't want to. That's one of the big benefits because PFSense, OpenSense, whichever one you decide to side with, uh, on the BSD side over there, um, they don't run on ARM, they so you would they need an x86 yeah. chip, and that and that would. Uh, the Zima board would would fall under that uh, umbrella, allowing you to continue to run OpenSense, which is what you know. And you know, it's always a little contentious trying to move to something that you've never really played with before. 
But anyway, that's something that uh, that both Dan and I got to figure out over this break. Yeah, yeah. So that what the, do we want to do? The trip down the arm lane um, is is what sparked all that stuff for yep. us, and here we are. Is it going to work? Is it not going to work? Um, well, dear audience, if you have a preference, do you run your router on a on an arm thing? Do you, do you just buy the uh, the the grocery store special? Uh, what do you do? How do you run your stuff? How do you, yeah, how do you firewall? Do you do any of that? Do you actually even think about that at all? Is that, does it matter that that's Linux at all? Um, well, if you have an opinion on that, uh, you need to, uh, yeah, you need to let us know. Let us know. Uh, help us decide. Zima board, friendly elect, buy some, some other pre-configured hardware or, or what? What do we do? And if you like looking at our face, uh, you can head over to YouTube. If you haven't already, if you aren't right now, and subscribe, youtube.com slash Linux user space. Or if you just like the history bits and you like all the, the, the educational stuff, you can head over to Tilvids. And we've got a presence over there too. Tilvids.com slash A slash Linux user space. And if you really, really like us, um, maybe love us, um, we love you. You can give us a buck if you go over to Patreon. Patreon.com slash Linux use space. Computing in the 60s and early 70s was mostly relegated to the mainframe. Many computers followed, then the microprocessor, which led to the microcomputer in the late 70s. Many options were available. From Canada, you had the Commodore PET. In the US, you had the Apple II the Atari 400, and Tandy TRS-80. Hong Kong had the Video Genie, and England, the BBC Micro, and Sinclair ZX81. Each had their many strengths, and weaknesses were everywhere. This was a revolution, after all. These machines stirred something in many folks that used them, whether it be by simply using them as early gaming consoles to play games or programming them from scratch. The era of the personal microcomputer had begun. A quick search or a question to someone you know with a few miles on them will find no shortage of anecdotes and nostalgia. There were, of course, favorites, same as Linux distros today, but the fact remains all of these machines and more left their mark on the minds of folks that got the chance to use them and on history as well. Through the 80s and the 90s, the micro part of microcomputer was dropped, and the more common personal computer was adopted. The things we were able to do with these personal computers increased tremendously year after year. And while there was certainly learning hardware and software to get your hands on, and the older 80s machines still existed, people were content enough to simply use software on a computer rather than program a computer, or at least, or at the very least, tinker. One part of the micro that wasn't dropped from the collective conscious, at least in the UK, was the BBC micro. Far outsold by the ZX Spectrum in homes, many British students that didn't have either, or maybe just had the Spectrum, still had plenty of access to BBC micros, as 85% of British schools adopted them. The BBC Micro, even though it was outsold by the Spectrum, was the real catalyst for the Raspberry Pi. 
And this is the part of the story where we turn our attention a little over a decade forward. Around 2006, Eben Upton was working on one of his very first prototypes that would one day morph into the Raspberry Pi. It was an Atmel AT Mega 644 micro microcontroller clocked at 22.1 megahertz and 512K SRAM for data and frame buffer storage and displayed graphics over an analog line to a TV. Fast forward again to 2011 in late June, Eben Upton announced the first alpha boards for the Raspberry Pi being sent to the manufacturer for production. And much like the Atmel build, it had an analog TV out, in addition to HDMI, of course. It's 2011, after all. It was about 20% larger than the final product that would eventually be called the Raspberry Pi. Like its inspiration, the BBC Micro, the Pi was to have various versions. First up, a $25 Model A version that had only 128 megs of RAM and lacked a network interface. And then the Model B at $35, which would up the RAM to 256 megabytes and include a network interface. And in August, the Alpha boards returned. And on those boards, ran Debian. A mixture of Debian Squeeze version 6 and the ever-up-to-date SID. Again in August, a competition was announced to determine the logo that the Raspberry Pi Foundation was to use on the Pis themselves and just about everywhere else. Ultimately, it wasn't easy to decide. In early October, when the tallies were meant to be ready, the initial panel of judges was deadlocked. So another batch of internal developers was added to break the tie. After lots of indecisiveness, Paul Beach's logo was chosen. And yes, it's the one you're thinking of. The logo was imagined from 32 buckyballs, with 11 of them visible. And the first Pi had a 32-bit processor using ARM 11. Talk about serendipity. In February of 2012, the Debian hacking on the Alpha boards culminated into a functional Debian squeeze installation using LXDE for the desktop, Midori for the browser, and some development and multimedia tools. On the 1st of March, the Raspberry Pi is official. The Model B will be launching first as there was a much higher demand for them, and then the Model A would follow later. Then, the operating system floodgates opened. A few days after launch, Arch Linux ARM supporting the Raspberry Pi is out in the wild. Then after a little over a week's delay from its original launch date in February, Raspberry Pi Fedora Remix is ready as well. Quickly after that, OpenELEC, which is a special distro that runs XBMC, now known as Kodi, also announced support and a release. Then in early April, then in early April, the first Raspbian SD image was made available for testing. Shortly after, the raspberrypi.org domain name was registered. Mid-April, Raspberry Pis began hitting doorsteps. At the end of April, Quake 3 runs on a Raspberry Pi, which is a huge milestone for any hardware. 
That's it. The history's over. We need to go play a match. Drop the mic, but it's on an arm. In June, a Debian Wheezy build hits the public net. And finally, mid-July, the efforts of Alex, Dom, Mike Thompson, Peter Green, Simon Hall, and many, many others. Raspbian was officially announced. It was the first Debian build to fully take advantage of the hard float operations within the CPU to make web browsing scream in comparison to early builds. In September, Turbo Mode is added to Raspi Config within Raspbian, which allows warranty safe overclocking for your Pi that relaxes when it hits the 85C threshold. Prior to this, overvolting did indeed void the warranty, noted by a baked-in hardware switch that activated if overvolting ever occurred. In October, Model B folks that hadn't received their Pi yet were surprised to hear that they were upgraded from 256 megs to 512 megs of RAM for free. All future Model Bs would also have 512 megs. And all that is just in 2012. In early February 2013 and slightly behind schedule, the Module A is finally available, at least in Europe. A few days later, Minecraft Pi Edition is released free of charge for anybody with a Pi. In May, the cameras and updates in Raspbian are released. And quickly after that, a Wayland preview is announced, allowing the slowdowns in X to be bypassed. The slowdowns were simply because X is not optimized for the graphics core in the built-in graphics processor. In June, Noobs 1.1. It's for noobs. Of course, it can install Raspbian for you, but it can also install a host of other things too. OpenELEC, ArchArm, and a few others. Sometimes the easy way is the best way. In September, Noobs 1.3 is released with the ability to install more than one operating system on the SD card. Soon after, a Noobs Lite option with a 20 megabyte footprint that downloaded only the system images requested was released. In October, the Pi No IR or Noir is now available for nighttime picture taking. In 2014, no April Fool's Day is complete without a joke. Raspberry Pi took us back to the 80s with the green on black design with red links. Take a look in archive.org if you're curious what that looked like. But the next day, they really did a website revamp. Link in the show notes if you want to see what that looked like. In April, the Raspberry Pi Compute module is announced without all the fancy ports and doodads, but still using the same ARM chip, and slots into a fancy I.O. board like a stick of RAM. Really nifty if the previous form factor was a problem. Development kits were available in June. On July 14th, the new Raspberry Pi B+, is launched with 512 megs of RAM, more GPIO pins, more USB ports, micro SD, less power consumption, and better audio. Two weeks later, the hat, that is, hardware attached on top spec, is announced as an attempt to usher in easy hardware additions to the B+, with its 40 GPIO pin set as opposed to the previous 26 on the Model A and B. In September, after eight months of hard work, Midori 
will be dropped in Raspbian in favor of GNOME Web or Epiphany to take advantage of hardware-accelerated video decoding and faster scrolling. As well, Noobs drops all distros except for Raspbian on the pre-installed image. However, the other distros can still be network installed. This was done to slim down the Noobs image size to fit on four gigabyte cards. In November, the Model A Plus is announced at $20. Still without a network interface, but now with the same 40-pin GPIO header as the B+. In early February of 2015, the Raspberry Pi 2, still at $35, is launched. This is a huge upgrade from the first run and comes with a 900MHz quad-core ARM Cortex-A7, which offers more than five times the performance of the B+, and double the RAM at 1GB. And since this is an ARM version 7 chip, it opens the door to running tons more Linux operating systems, and even the slimmed-down ARM version of Windows 10 all at the exact same form factor as the previous models. Soon after launch, we learned that the Raspberry Pi 2 was sensitive to xenon-based camera flashes. It would hang when exposed to these flashes, not outright crash, which made the situation quite curious, but frustrating. In just a day, the forum sleuths narrowed it down. Later in February, the Raspberry Pi becomes the best-selling British computer ever at 5 million units sold, just surpassing the Spectrum ZX series, and long since surpassing its inspiration, the BBC Micro, after 1.5 million units were sold. In September, Raspbian finally leaves Wheezy behind and rebases on Debian 8, Jesse, and makes a pretty significant change. Up to this point, Raspbian would boot to the command line, but as all other modern computers, after this upgrade, the desktop will be the default landing pad. Visually, GTK2 is slowly being dropped in favor of GTK3 in many apps, so things get a bit of a facelift in the upgrade too. And that's just the surface, because it's such a big upgrade, it's recommended to install from scratch. In November, the Raspberry Pi Zero lands. It's basically the original Pi B+, but with a slightly faster CPU, micro USB instead of full-sized, and a mini HDMI port. And it's tiny. And five bucks. On the last day of February 2016, and a little over a year since the Raspberry Pi 2, they did it again with the Raspberry Pi 3. The big upgrades here were onboard Wi-Fi and Bluetooth and a CPU upgrade to a 64-bit ARM Cortex-A53 CPU at 1.2 GHz. That puts it about 50% faster than the Raspberry Pi 2, and it's apparently fast enough to run some simple servers. On launch day, about 5% of website traffic for raspberrypi.org was served up by a Pi 3. It lasted a whole 12 hours, serving up 1.5 million requests before the kernel panicked and the pie crashed. <laughs> no pies were irreparably harmed in the serving of those assets. In May, after being out of the Pi Zero for a little while, they return, but with a new trick, a camera connector. And later in August, while it's notable that Docker has been running on various Pi operating systems up until this point, Raspbian 
is now a fully official platform for Docker. On September 8th, the Raspberry Pi platform surpasses 10 million sold, which marks its doubling of the previous Sinclair ZX record of 5 million. Later in the month, Pixel, the new desktop environment for Raspbian. It stands for the Pi Improved X Windows Environment Lightweight. A little forced if you ask me, but at least it's not recursive. Almost everything was reimagined. No more boot messages, and instead a clean welcome screen giving you release information. New icons, new wallpaper, new windows with a light curve on top, and a flat design. Better font rendering, and a slick login screen. One other big change was GNOME Web. It's out. And Chromium is in, which improves video playback yet again. This year, after a 64-bit capable Pi 3 was launched, we saw a 64-bit kernel which Ubuntu and Fedora were running on unofficially. But in November, and for the very first time, SUSE released a 64-bit SUSE Linux Enterprise server for the Raspberry Pi. It's not Raspbian, but it is a first. And as an early Christmas present, the desktop environment Pixel is now available for any machine that can run Debian Jesse. During its initial testing, it'll only be available as a live USB. In mid-January of 2017, the Compute Module 3 is released, same as the previous Module 1. It's only one millimeter taller and runs a good bit hotter, but the same idea applies. And the next month, the Pi Zero W is added to the lineup. Same as before, including camera attachment, but with wireless and Bluetooth built right in. In June, a little after Debian's stretch is released, Raspbian is still based on Debian Jesse, which includes an offline version of Scratch and Thony. Visually, there was an adjustment to the default icon set, and promises were made that rebasing on Stretch is in the works. And like clockwork, the August update brings the switch to Debian Stretch. With this change, the audio stack is switched from Pulse Audio to ALSA. Also included is a patch for the Broadcom chipset that fixes a vulnerability for code execution that allows an attacker to take over the chipset. And to round out the year, the release for PCs and Macs that was released the previous year is now also rebased on Stretch. In January of 2018, the new version of the Pi Zero W came to us with pre-soldered headers, earning it the Pi Zero WH designation. Everything else about it was the same. Then followed the Pi 3B Plus in mid-March. This Pi comes with an updated processor with a built-in heat spreader to allow the chip to hit higher frequencies at lower voltages to reduce power consumption. This, paired with the new Wi-Fi and Bluetooth combo chip, also leads to higher transmission rates over wireless. It brought along a new OS, which came with better support for different screen resolutions. The Appearance Settings application provides a GUI to change things like the resolution easily, and a pixel doubling option is added for high-resolution displays. Another OS update in June. Now the setup wizard runs automatically on first start. If you need to run it later, a pseudo PyWiz will do that for you. 
Recommended software is like a light software store, and QPDF View is the new PDF viewer replacing XPDF, and a bunch of other bug fixes. The Pi 3 Model A Plus hit shelves in November, and all the guts of the B Plus, but in a smaller form factor. At the beginning of 2019, in late January, the Compute Module 3 Plus lands, and as all the modules before it, slots into I.O. boards with the same basic feature set as the previous A plus and B plus boards. In late June, the Raspberry Pi 4 goes on sale for $35 for the one gig model, $45 for the two gig model, and $55 for the four gig model. Full gigabit ethernet, Bluetooth 5.0, a pair of USB 3.0 ports, dual monitor support over micro HDMI, and the Cortex-A73 chip that boasts three times the performance over the Pi 3. And an overhauled OS gets shipped with it. That overhaul includes a rebase of Raspbian to Debian 10, Buster. This was almost a full two weeks before Debian 10 itself released. The desktop was decluttered a bit and switched to a gray theme rather than the original light blue. At the beginning of February 2020, a new Raspbian release landed as a mostly bug fix release. The Places menu makes it back to the file manager, new scratch blocks make an appearance, and more cleanup. We also see lots of Orca screen reader improvements. At the end of April, a new official 12.3 megapixel high quality camera hits the streets and can take some stunning pictures with the attachable lenses. And a month later, after lots of speculation on the misprint in the Pi 4 manual, in May, the 8 gigab yeah, the 8 gigabyte version of the Raspberry Pi 4 is now on sale. All the same guts, but with twice the memory of the highest at the time option. All at 75 bucks. Around this time, the Raspbian name has been axed. The Raspberry Pi official operating system is thusly called Raspberry Pi OS. In October, the Compute Module 4 lands with all the power that comes with it. Then in November, the Raspberry Pi 400, a Pi 4 built into a keyboard with much the same expansion, and it runs a little cooler and a little faster. And speaking of cooler, a case fan launched shortly after to keep the stock Pi 4 chill. In December, the Raspberry Pi OS release switched back to Pulse Audio from Alsa. This vastly improves the user experience for switching audio outputs and brings along the capability for Bluetooth audio. Additionally, CUPS is added for better printing capabilities and easy management. For folks that need accessibility features, full support for Orca screen reader is added. At the beginning of 2021, with an already stretched supply chain, demand rose for pies across the board and unfortunately dried up all pie availability. This was followed up by the release of the Raspberry Pi Pico for $4. In October, the shortage couldn't be ignored any longer. With a couple of price increases, Pi users knew they were going to be in for a stagnant ride. The issues and price increases are promised to be temporary. Later in October, the Raspberry Pi Zero 2W 
What a mouthful. Is now on sale for $15 using the brain of the Raspberry Pi 3. Unfortunately, as soon as they landed, they were snapped up, only to be seen by something like RPi Locator. The November release of Raspberry Pi OS brings in a huge shift for the desktop from GTK2 to GTK3. It's also a switch on the Debian base from Buster to Bullseye. The shift to GTK3 also brings along Mutter as the compositor. An updater plugin, nah, an updater plugin and improved notifications are also in this release. In February of 2022, while other 64-bit operating systems for the Pi 4 had released, the long-awaited Raspberry Pi OS in 64-bit finally hits the mirrors. In early April, a supply chain update. Industrial and enterprise customers are going to be prioritized. Going against their original stated mission of being for the home user or tinkerer. And many of those tinkerers were not pleased with the decision. But their market share is probably much smaller than the big companies. Another in April, another release of Raspberry Pi OS. Within, a new wizard where you can create your user on the first run. Prior releases started with the Pi user. And hey, the imager tool can do that for you too if you want something headless or you can set it in a user.conf file on the boot partition. If you want to rename that Pi user from a previous version, there is a new rename user tool to do that. Wayland makes a debut as an option using Raspi config. In June, the Raspberry Pi Pico W at $6 debuts, bringing back the Pico muscle, but now with a Wi-Fi chip on board. In September, Another update to Raspberry Pi OS that brought with it a searchable main menu, better audio input control, keyboard shortcuts like Control-Alt-B for the Bluetooth menu, and network manager compatibility. And another supply chain update in December, noting that the 0W, Pi 4 2GIG, and 4GIG variants are making the rounds and a hopeful outlook for the middle of 2023. In the first days of 2023, the Raspberry Pi Camera Module 3 is released with four variants, all starting at $25, a normal, no IR or noir, and wide-angle versions of each, all at 11.9 megapixels, autofocus, and field of view adjustments. And as far as hardware goes, that's about it. Until now. And Raspberry Pi OS? Keeping up with Debian. You can catch all the great topics as they unfold on our subreddit or our news channel on Discord. LinuxUserspace.show slash Reddit or LinuxUserspace.show slash Discord. That'll get you there. And if those aren't your jam, uh, you can always reach out to us on Mastodon, Telegram, you know, Matrix, Twitch. We, we've got some video over there that we do live streaming and we've got Twitter. So you can catch all those linuxuzuspace.show slash your thing and uh, you'll find us. Don't think I didn't catch the jam part of that. Raspberry jam. Get out of here. Get out of here. It's too much. Too much raspberry. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, as far as uh, raspberry jam goes... 
how did you fare? I, I don't even know. Uh, was was it a requirement to use Raspberry Pi OS, or were we content with just running a Pi? I, I I don't even know that we set forth the rules. I don't think we had a lot of rules with it. You're right, but broad. I did I did run it. Um, I do like I don't know. I have it running here. Um, on on a little three Pi three. I got I ran the desktop version. Mm-hmm. Um, I have another one here that we were going to do a project with and I was going to put sync thing on and I never did that, but like, I, I, I'm we sorry. We talked about that multiple I episodes know. ago, Dan. I know. I know. I, I even bought like an external, uh, drive case for, I've, I've got a three and a half inch, uh, you know, full size three and a half inch hard drive and I, I bought a little external Whoa. case that's like USB. Okay. So. That, that, that drive has external power too, right? Oh yeah. Okay. Woo. Yeah. Yeah, it does. And uh so I bought I bought that um because that's that's going to be you know just kind of uh my sync thing backup if you will. Um, I got gotcha. you. So I've got sync thing running on my desktop. I've got sync thing running in a in a VM. And I'm going to use this one as uh you know my sync thing other other sync thing that runs all the time. So uh backups equals backups minus 1, mm-hmm. right? Um, so I'll have a sync thing. You have a sync thing. You have another sync mm-hmm. thing. Yep. Uh, so is it sync thing equals sync thing minus one? <laughs> so I, we have two I, sync I, things, I right? I guess so. Well, I plan on putting some of my own personal stuff on it too, because that way I can just kind of have ah. it sync around between all three of them. I don't have to do anything to do that. I just drag it into the folder and it'll figure it out, right? Because that's the yeah. great thing about sync thing. Right. Um, well, that, that's kind of how I handle my my Nextcloud stuff. But I don't use SyncThink for that. I just use rsync, and it's just a nightly backup oh, every okay. night for mm-hmm. for every change. Um, so that that is that is pretty cool. I do like that yeah. uh, a whole lot. But it seems simple. So that's that's kind of where I was going with it. How dare you uh, not do the SyncThink thing? SyncThink sync thing. For the Raspberry Pi episode, I, know, I, I, know, I am I so disappointed. I am so I'm, it's the season finale, Dan. I'm apologetic, but uh, um, I did run it. I did run the desktop on on one of these. I got one of these and I, I ran the desktop, and it, it was it was fine. Like it. Okay, it I'll forgive fine. you for that. Well, uh, what okay, I, I went above and beyond here because like what I also did was I actually downloaded the the desktop version or, and and ran it on a laptop. And I, I actually Interesting. did. I did it quite a bit. Um, it's 32 bit though, so um, okay. So three bother. point like two five gigs of RAM tops. Well, the machine only had four, so it was a fine fine uh, okay. machine for it. Uh, it worked out. It it did work out. It was okay, but you run into some struggles with that, right? Because it's 32 bit, and mm-hmm. things like Flatpak won't run on that. No, and so that's no. So you're no you're really out. just kind of stuck with whatever Raspbian or I'm sorry, Raspberry Pi OS right. uh, provides in the repositories there, right? Which is a lot. Don't get me wrong. It's just some of those things are True. a little behind because uh, you know that's how Debian works. Um, yeah. But if you were gonna gonna give it to someone and have them do like like some scratch programming on it or something, oh, you would uh, notice. You would not know, and it's kind of great, and you can just install it on anything. And I think that was that's pretty cool. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, what version of Debian was that uh, OS based on? Uh, I believe it was uh, Bullseye. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Bullseye. Yeah. 
That's 11? 11, yeah. Okay, yeah. So it's it's the current released version, but 12 is coming soon, right? So um, it's it's getting- Oh, wink, wink. It's getting longer, right? I mean, we're we're the full two years into that release, so things have been hanging around for a little while. So yeah, but they haven't released anything in the two years uh, for the desktops, and they never released a 64-bit version that I saw. So that's a little unfortunate. I feel like, um, well, there there is a 64-bit version of Raspberry Pi OS, but not released for. For the, the Raspberry the, Pis, yeah, just like not regular for the x86 or, you know, right. 64, x86, 64 bit. And um, there, there were some efforts to actually port Pixel. Okay, Here, here's actually one thing that, that I really kind of wish that mm-hmm. I could take advantage of. I want to see the Pixel desktop yeah. ported over. I, yeah. I, uh, it's got to be 64 bit now uh, because uh, there yeah. are. There, there is a Raspberry Pi OS 64-bit build. Mm-hmm. So I know that there's 64-bit ARM yep. builds of it. But uh, what, I, what I would like to see is a Fedora remix with Pixel and Ubuntu remix well, with Pixel. And maybe its own, own Everybody thing. that's got LXDE, just get rid of that and run Pixel. Because um, well, right. essentially, it's it picked up where LXDE left off. And carried on with that um and made improvements yeah yeah i I know that pixel has uh some wayland compatibility i know that Mm -hmm. there's there's you know wayland is there um but uh just like lxde it is steeped in the history of x so Mm -hmm. it runs best on x it does run best on x but it will run wayland um because it has mutter as the the compositor so Mm -hmm. and you know early days of gnome Obviously, they've they've had Wayland for quite a long time, so yeah. And, um, and I know there were some experiments with uh, with Pixel and running on Wayland. And the reason they did that uh, was to improve the performance mm-hmm. of X by using Wayland right. um, and, and using the X Wayland uh, kind of go between right. to run those X apps to get better performance yep. on the desktop. That that was the whole reason that Wayland was even an option. Uh, to get more performance, right? I didn't try that. Like I, I, I feel like I, I missed the, missed that. I guess I probably should have, should have ran the Raspi config thing and 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 ran, tried some Wayland stuff just to see how that worked out. But I didn't. Yeah, I just ran it stock, and it, it like it, it, it runs well. It does a lot of things. It's it's clean. So they 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 do modify LXDE quite a bit. They they clean out mm-hmm. a lot of things. They strip out a whole bunch of stuff. And so it's very clean and doesn't get you confused, which I think is great for the target audience, right? So right. I really love, much like Endless, I love the mission that they have, whether they state it or not. It's 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 similar similar ideas, right? Put this in the in the hands of everyone, and then um, you know let them create stuff right out of the gate. Like you see a lot of kids in schools and hobbyists all grab these things and yeah. it it's one of the things that's brought linux to the masses i feel like so so i i got a prediction now um because we brought up endless mm-hmm. i think with the raspberry pi 5 it's going to have enough cpu and gpu horsepower to run gnome yeah that'd be and cool and 
what's going to end up happening? Here's my prediction. I don't know how long it's going to take, but but mark my words. It, it was going to happen. The Raspberry Pi Foundation is going to try and take the look and feel of Pixel and add it to the GNOME stack. They're going to do the whole extension thing, get that going, and and run into the same thing that Endless was running yeah. into, where it's like, maybe we shouldn't be doing the extension thing. Maybe we should just be hacking directly onto On GNOME. GNOME. Maybe. And so the Raspberry Pi Foundation converges with the Endless OS Foundation and starts hacking away on GNOME. Yeah. And so the things that made Pixel nice are now added directly in to GNOME. And now we have this huge conversion of uh, just all of these foundations, all of these companies, all of these people, all of this manpower going into GNOME. And then you have a de facto Linux standard in GNOME. There's the hot take from Leo right there. Yeah. Woo! Burning hot take. I don't know how long it's going to take. It, we, we could, we, this could be 2030 yeah. for all I know. But if GNOME is still around and Endless is still hacking on it, so, Raspberry Pi is coming for you. That'll be We're going to be on the Raspberry Pi 7 by then. The but, year uh, of the Linux desktop, and it'll run GNOME. You heard it here <gasps> first, folks. Well, you heard it here first. That's it. So, I, I listen, I really do love what they've done. I mean, I just, it can't be overstated, I don't think. Where this little device and all of the other ones have, have taken the world of Linux and, uh, the learning too. I mean, I just, it's, it's impressive. I feel like, mm -hmm. what are we up to? Like f almost 50 million sold, I think, or 40 some million. Is it million? that high? It's like 40 some million, I think. I, it's something oh ridiculous like God. that. Oh my God. I didn't get a final tally on that. If That's you, insane. I, I might be making that up, but it's a lot, right? It's 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 insane. It's insane. Well, if if we haven't hit that number yet, it's probably coming soon. Yeah. Just, I mean, we we were just talking about um, that the industrial and enterprise sectors are the ones that are going to be prioritized. Yeah. Uh, so it does not it does not surprise me that much that. Uh, we're 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 at least close to a number like that. Yeah, I, I think you're it talking was, about thousands of units at a time yeah, sold I, to be deployed in one go. I feel like it was one of those Wikipedia pages I was on that said you know there was at least forty million, and that was like a couple of years ago kind of thing. That so, wow, so that, that or is, a year ago maybe. Um, but that yeah. is an astounding number, but it doesn't really surprise me that much. No, not when you think about it. Um, so, you know, that's a that's a lot of people that have had interaction with something, even it's, if they don't know it. Yeah. It's kind of a shame that those things don't run browsers all the time, because yeah. then you, could, you would have yeah, those yeah. stats on the web, right? Where Linux is like just some huge outsized <laughs> yeah. percentage of market share at that point. All right, industrial and enterprise users of Raspberry Pi, just open up a browser sometimes, uh, you know, automate it. Automate it and go to linuxuserspace.show so that you can show the, the, the stats on this. Well, that'd be cool. Or they could just run some stripped down Steam thing so that it looks like all the, all the you know, everybody's running Linux that, that's using Steam, you know, so you get the Steam that's survey. Fine. Yeah. That's fine too. Have a bot. I'll take that. Bot answer the questions. Yeah. That'd be all right. Yeah. But th this is something that I've suspected for a very, very long time that uh, Linux does outpace everything else. It's just not in desktop. <laughs> yeah it's it's everywhere else like the, the fact that azure uh microsoft azure uh runs way more linux than it does windows is is 
the only proof you should need that yeah. that Linux has already won, just not on the desktop. Yeah, yeah, no, it is it's definitely very popular, but this has put a lot of eyes on on Linux and Linux things and you know programming all all of that stuff. So oh yeah. Scratch is huge. It's uh, so Scratch good. Scratch is huge. Even, even like VS Code. Remember that was a thing for a little while there. Yes. There were they, they, that was getting installed, and or at least the the repository was, and uh, people were grumping and complaining. But ultimately, it means people are going to be developing software and stuff. So I mean, right? Let, let them go. Um, just all that stuff. I feel like it's pretty great. And then like we we remarked today, we were looking at the the news feed from Raspberry pi.com and um it has something just about every day there's a project on there yep. people doing stuff little small displays and little things running in the corner keeping track of temperatures all mm -hmm. sorts of sensors it's it's just mind-boggling when you think about it yeah i still want uh so i have a pi zero w mm -hmm. not the pi zero two did the first one um and I've been meaning to do something with that for a very, very long time, and and I think uh, uh, I've I've always wanted to do the the Game Boy kind of yep. thingy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I I want to say that there is one that is that is pretty uh, pretty tried and true at this. Yes. I think they call it the Pie Girl. Pie Girl, yeah. Uh, I I think that's its name. I I believe you're correct. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, I I really want to do that. Just get get a little, you know, six forty yeah. by four eighty uh, screen and put that into a nice. I have a three D printer now, so mm. um, over the break I'll be setting that up and playing playing cool. around with that a whole lot, uh, nice. especially printing out like D and D minis because mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, mm -hmm. imagination can only take you so far. Exactly. But um, what I also want to do is I want to print a Game Boy ish case mm -hmm. and then use that pi zero to shove in there and and make myself a little portable handheld yeah. maybe double a triple a powered kind of thing i don't know how many hours i get out of that but e even if it's like two to four hours out of three or four double a's um if i'm not mistaken the original that's about all i ever got up in a game boy yeah yeah it was about <laughs> four double a's and it only lasted you a few hours so yeah if i can get anywhere near that uh, that will be fantastic because we're talking, you know, full color LCD screen mm -hmm. here, you know, 16 million colors out here. Yeah, the old ones were uh, black and white. Yeah. It was, it was, yeah. I mean, yeah. the Super Nintendo wasn't even capable of that, capable of nope. that in the first place. Nope. Uh, so anyway, uh, that that's probably something that you're going to see uh, well, for me cool. soon enough. But as far as the other Pi stuff that I'm running a lot of Pi stuff, um, I've, I've been infatuated with the Pi ever since it came out. Mm -hmm. um, Same here. I, I bought I bought a Pi One. Uh, definitely wasn't good for a desktop, but no. uh, it certainly got simple things going. And I, I ran a whole heck of a lot of things on that Pi One. But because of its software uh, kind of unavailability, right? Like it was yeah. uh, an ARM six chip. And right, right. Everything just got amazing with the ARM version seven. Like seven. Ubuntu was yeah. a, was available at that up. point. Yeah. So yeah. So my Pi Two. Currently running sync thing between me and mm -hmm. Dan. I've got a Pi three that's running Git T for me right now through Docker. Uh, fantastic. And then I've got that's a cool. Pi four that is running Docker as well. That is uh, that's running my fresh RSS. Oh, and yeah. I know that um, at least with the Pi four, there's a ton of headroom left. There is oh, a yeah. ton 
of room left. And I know that that it can do the same on the Pi 3 as well. So um, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, they, I'm, they're looking, pretty capable. I'm looking to add more stuff to these little pies. Do I need more? No. no. Will I buy more when they're available? Well, yeah, you, uh, you better believe it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have to. I have to. Uh, I, I don't think there's any any other way than posting on a forum, right, to show that I need more pies, faster pies, better pies, more pies, more more plugs on a pie mm-hmm. than to just buy pies. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I'm going to have some, and they're just going to be doing all kinds of things all over the place for me. So you mentioned the Game Boy thing and, and whatever. I have one of those Pi uh, Zero Ws as well. I have it at work. Um, I wish I had brought it home. But um, so it is uh, it's my gaming, my little my little retro gaming machine. That so I, it already that I, does it for you that I break out at lunchtime. Yeah. So I bought one of the Adafruit uh, uh, Joy Bonnets and, oh. and I put it on the Zero W and then I you got two cables. You got power and you got your video. And I yeah. connect that up to my monitor, and uh, you know that's my lunchtime uh, Game Boy games or NES games. I can I can play some, you know. That's super cool. Yeah. Play those, and so the little Joy Bonnet is is actually not bad. If it's it's roughly the same width as your three, right? So, um, it's got a little little thing, you know, Joy thing on the left side, and then it's got your buttons on the right, and. Uh, it's not a bad form factor. Um, it's thin. Um, fits pretty good. Yeah. So, uh, so as far as what I'd be looking at, you're you're talking about this is a controller. Yeah, it's like a controller. Yeah, exactly. And you plug it up to a monitor. To yeah, get, monitor, you know, TV, full whatever screen. you got. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's really cool. So I I need mine to be fully portable. I I know yeah. that they're not. Yeah, mine's not portable. I got to plug it in. But yeah. Yeah, I know that you could probably get like a lithium polymer battery or something mm-hmm. like that and get some real good juice uh out of something like that. Right. Uh, and it's it's fairly exchangeable. Right. Um especially as like uh new chemistry comes out in some of those oh, batteries yeah. you can get some better battery life. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, so I, I want that in a portable form factor. Yeah, I get it. No, absolutely. Just I could chuck it in a bag and go, you know, and mm-hmm. not have to worry about where, am I, where I'm going to find my next 24-inch monitor to plug into so I can play some games. Well, I got the Steam Deck for that now, but uh, I mean... True, true. Uh, but I mean, at work, I've always got that there. And so, like I said, I break it out at lunchtime, not all the time, but sometimes, Yeah, you know, I, I, just no, to break away even... from work for a little bit and you know, reset the mind and, and then I can get oh, back yeah. to it again. Oh, you, you know? got to do that. Mm-hmm. It's I've, I've, I've looked at pages of config or code or whatever. Mm-hmm. And if you don't look away from that for at least 30 minutes, that's all you, ever uh, see. you will, you will miss all kinds of things, all kinds of terrible things. Like this is the thing that has been, uh, you know, plaguing you all day. You won't see it. Yeah. You need a fresh pair of eyes and playing some Game Boy is a good way to do that. Yeah. So absolutely. It's like the old CRT monitors where if you left it on that image for too long, oh, yeah. it was burned in. Well, it, your yep. eyes do the same thing. Yep, yep, yep. It's a it's a weird brain thing, man. Mm-hmm. I, I have done it multiple times. If you don't take a break, you'll miss it. You'll miss the forest from the trees. Just uh it's it's crazy how that yep. works. But uh anyway, um yeah, so so I want more pies. Uh, I love running pies. Uh, so we were talking about uh, going x86, maybe, maybe. Uh, using the, uh, what, what was the name of that thing? Hang on, let me see. Let me, yeah, let me the, get up the, here. The, yeah. Uh, the Zima Board Zima. SBC. All right. 
I will never lose my love for ARM until the next version of ARM comes out. Yeah. Uh, these, these pies are, you know, have enough support in the community and have enough software availability and just run so well and so cheaply. I think the only bummer is the availability right now. And right now, and I'm 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 fully content to wait. Yeah. Uh, but you know, if if somebody says, "Oh, I got a drawer full of pies that I don't want anymore," you let me know. Sure. I will pay you to ship them to me. If you're just gonna trash them or they're just gonna languish in a drawer, send them to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we're doing stuff with them, so yeah, that, absolutely. Love to. I will play with yeah. them mm-hmm. all day long. I'll I'll make you content, man. Mm-hmm. I'll do mm-hmm. a whole thing. That's that's perfectly fine with me. But uh, and and while I might may might end up with a Zima board eventually, sure. Uh, I I won't lose the love uh for the pie. I won't. No, they're not going away. Yeah, I'm not throwing them away. They're they're not gonna just collect dust. Uh, they they will be put to use. And so, whenever the Pi Four is back in stock, like at normal price. Uh, and when uh, the Pi 5 comes out, you better believe I'm going to buy both yeah. uh, 100%. Th- these things are fantastic. What I want to do ultimately is, I know we can't do that with desktop just yet. Mac is getting close, but we can't do it with the desktop just yet as far as you know, low power consumption, mm. high CPU um, capability. Um, I can't it's get rid there, of though. those x86 boxes yet. But everywhere else, I, I want to get rid of it. I, I just want to be done with x86. I, I want I want this thing to sip power from the mm-hmm. wall and do all the things I would normally do on an x86 box anyway. No, yeah, I think as software availability happens uh, for ARM-based stuff, you can get to that reality. It's a little ways away, potentially, but yeah. we're definitely getting closer. Yeah, for full workstation, I don't think we're there yet. Um, you know, for this job... Uh, Discord doesn't work, but um, you know the recording stuff works. Uh, a, a lot of the, pretty much everything else works. Uh, so if um, you know, we might be able to if we swapped from uh from this to maybe uh, something web based. I guess like fully web based. Uh, we might be able yeah. to get away with doing doing the video stuff. I don't but, know how many uh, of those things you can stack up before you start getting into performance problems. Too, right, right, you exactly. Know? So. So maybe the Raspberry Pi Five, maybe maybe at that point, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. A, that might be the difference maker. Have a have a real workstation or something like that. But uh, mm-hmm. but as of right now, uh, it's something I want, but not quite something I can have just yet. Yeah, I I think if you were doing uh, recording on your own of your own content without right. doing the the collaboration bits, oh, you um, can. A- I, I've done absolutely. It. Oh yeah, no, and it it would be a great great tool for that. Great tool. Yep. You can get it done on a Pi 4, 100%, they're, they're, you know, without reservation, if you're just recording at home alone, uh, yeah, 100% you can get it done on a Pi 4 right now. Yeah. I'm excited for the Pi future. Me too. Me too. Just the supply chain. Figure, just get it. Just yep. Bring it. Just get it to the, I want to buy one. All right. You can catch all the links at our website, linuxuserspace.show. And if you want to, you know, give us some feedback, uh, you know, get a hold of us, you can try an email, uh, contact at linuxuserspace.show. These people, these people, they don't do email anymore. It's too old. It's too crusty. I know. So I they're, know. They're, they're, they're on, they're on the, the blue sky now, okay? It's the Twitter replacement, haven't you heard? So, uh, yeah. you know, 
Uh, we don't have a presence there uh, yet, but, uh, you know. Do- well, I just want to throw it out there. If you got an okay. email still, if you're still using that, that's, that's a right. valid method. We'll take if, it. If you're as old and crusty as me and Dan, you mm. can always send us an email. Graybeard. <laughs> Catching up. <laughs> All right, Leo. Yeah. Jeez. Um, what? what uh, do you see what you have convinced me to do? Um, wow. Who did what? I uh, boy, what was I thinking? So this is this is one hundred percent Dan's fault. All right. Um, but it might be entertaining, at least, right? I think so. So, so what? What have you forced us to do? So you know, new season, new topics. That's that's coming, but the biggie, the big thing is, we're gonna give you two, two, for the price of one. Oh yeah. Next distro that we're gonna discuss uh, in the history, it's a it's a large, large one, large. We're going way back, way back to the beginning. We did it with Slackware. We did it with Ubuntu. What do you mean? What's left? What could we possibly do, Dan? We're going Debian. We're going to do oh. it. We're going to do the one, the one that we haven't done that is like, you know, still one of the oldest um, right there next to Slackware. And and Dan said before the show, as we were coming up to recording time, Dan said he was going to have an answer to the age old mm. question of which distro that is still being maintained is first. There's contention between two camps. The the contention is between is. Slackware and Debian. Who was the first? Dan will have that answer for you in season two, episode four, with the Debian history. He's gonna have the answer. That, that, um, that's that's and, that's wrong. So it's season. You're already wrong. It's you're, you're, already you're gonna wrong. lay the hammer down. It's, it's gonna be season four, episode two. What did I say? Season two, episode four. And so you could check on that oh. one. I won't have the answer there for you, but that's just fine. That's perfect. <laughs> um, I had the numbers right. They were just transposed. It happened. Please go look at look at that one, too. It's a good episode. I don't remember what we talked about. That was about, a good but... one. We were, we were doing it opposite. So that was a topic episode of some kind. Probably. Um, yeah. But in, yeah. All, in all seriousness, I'm I'm fairly sure it's, it's Slackware. But, like, I mean, I guess we had this question. When did the development start and what were we counting, you know, like, is the release when we started to count? I mean, I don't know. Like, and we may never know because like some of those things you can't find. Uh, Well, no, you just ask Patrick. Yeah. Well, the version numbers don't matter. So it doesn't, you know, just. just... Oh, yeah. No. I mean, I mean, the guy had uh, what? Slackware 95. It's fine. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Or 90. What? I don't remember. Yeah, it was. was. You got to go back and listen to the Slackware episode to figure out which one I'm talking about because I don't even remember. Um. But yeah, we got to ask Patrick who was first. I mean, sur- uh, surely he would be a non-biased source to tell us. Sure. Yeah. And no, I'm thinking Linus <laughs> was first. Uh, so we're going with that. Okay. <laughs> okay. It might be a it might be an exceedingly long one. Uh, and there's probably going to be a lot of contention within the history itself. Mm-hmm. So that one's going to be fun. Um, it, it's going to work on the framework. It's going to work with Secure Boot. It's going to all be fine because not every distro can I run on the framework. I have to run on the machine behind me, right. the uh, T450S, which, I mean, it'll take anything. So that's going to be an interesting, uh, that's yeah. going to be one of the most interesting parts about oh. Debian for me. 
I forgot to mention we're gonna do twelve Debian twelve. I mean, it won't. Oh, it's not quite released. They're they're planning, predicting a June release, and so you know we might get a head start and run it on a few things. You know, the early it's it's frozen right now, so very yeah. very very frozen. We, we've hit so, the hard freeze, but we haven't hit the full freeze yet. Right. So people can still slip in uh, some. It's a, it's a, like bug a christened, yeah. yeah. Critical bug fixes could still land, and so, but it, it's at a point where we can probably test things and certainly get a get a good handle on what you know history bits and stuff. So, yeah, I think I think we're good for next season to to start uh, down that path. I mean, I've I've been hesitant up until this point to say we should do it. So here we are. Well, we're we're gonna do it. We got to do it. But that's not all. That is not all. We said Um, we were going to give you two. Two two for the price of one. So number Um, two is uh, it's going to be a not one episode thing. This is is a distro that, again, is very, very old. Not quite as old as Debian, but is very old. And there's no way we can fit it in one. At least not the how'd it go. Because... uh, you got to wait so it's long an experience. for some stuff to compile, right? Yeah, yeah <laughs> absolutely. I mean, we're going to go high performance with uh, a really fast swimming penguin. Yes, the Gen 2 penguin. The Gen 2 penguin. He's the fastest. So, so it's not going to be episode two. It's not going to be episode four. But we're forecasting already, right now, in season three, forecasting the season finale distro. Which would be season four, episode twenty, very yeah, last. Yeah, that one. Yeah, episode of the season. It's gonna be Gen two, and so what we're gonna do is in each topic episode, carve out about five ten minutes and kind of check in. Yeah, how's it going? What'd you, what'd you compile last? What'd you do last? Did you break it? Uh, the answer to the "Did you break it?" question is probably gonna be a lot. Yeah, will be some start overs. <laughs> yeah, I think I think both Dan and I agree we're gonna start it in a VM. For and, sure. <laughs> and kind of get the process down. I mean, the wiki, the Gen 2 wiki is good. It is. Um, uh, all of the documentation is really good. It's not like it we is. need to break it, but I know that I am going to want a compiled kernel as opposed to the the kernels that you can pull down. Um, just because if, if you're running Gen 2, you kind of have to. You, you should. Uh, well, and we want to experiment because that's part of the process too, I feel like. So, you right. know, with that experimentation, you break a few eggs and, you know, you turn it into an omelet. I don't know. Yeah. Something, something overheating your CPU. I don't know. Yeah, whatever. Know. Yeah. So. so we got the first one. We got the last one already all figured out. If you have opinions uh, <laughs> or you just really, really want to hear <laughs> yeah, uh, about a distro uh, in any of the other even numbered yeah, episodes. Somewhere in between. Yeah. Let us know. All right, so stay tuned. You know, check out the Reddit, the Twitter, the t- Mastodon, Telegram, Matrix, Discord. You know, do check out the Twitch. We're gonna do some live streams uh, when we can over the break, for sure. This would be a good time to transition. Uh, we got a couple of votes for transitioning over to live streaming on Tilvids. Yeah, maybe, maybe we will. Yeah. Yeah. Do you do you care? Um, do do you not watch the live streams at all? You know, let us know right. where you want that to be. Um, because we certainly want to be where I think most people are. We do. So if you're in the audience, if you like the live streams, which are really just mini shows, 
And we're going to continue yeah. doing that. A couple of our friends, we chat about some stuff, and oftentimes food comes up and whatnot. But hey, yeah, we talk. I'm, I'm hungry and, at and that Linux. time. What can I say? <laughs> yeah, whatever you do, join the conversation. You know, we'll have all the links in the show notes on linuxuserspace.show. So, Dan, huh, we've made it through a whole through other season. season. We've, I know. we've done it again. I don't know how we. I don't know how we did it. But um, we had some pauses. We had we had a we had a season that was it was a tough one to get it's through. It's been maybe, a season, who mm-hmm. we? But um, in the interim, while we're on break, uh, while we're not pushing out shows in the transition to season four, where can I find you out there on the web? You can find me at KC2BZ at Mastodon and at KC2BZ on Twitter. And you can find me, same places, at Leo Chavez, at Mastodon.Social, and at Leo Chavez on the tweeters. Stay tuned. We'll be back. In a while. It's a wrap. It's a season. It is a it's a season. Wow. Wow, wow. Wow, 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 wow. It's all on tape. I don't know if it's on camera. I haven't gone back there to see whether or not it just decided to stop recording or not. Uh, well, but it's definitely on tape. O- OBS got it. Good. I, Dan, I need a mirror. You need to slap me. Because it's so simple to do. I could just get a mirror and it could show... Right, just so I could look and I could know. Oh, yeah, and your phone? It, it would cost me $4. I mean, honestly, I could probably find a mirror around here somewhere and a clip to do this with. I haven't. I don't know why. It is frustrating. My, but, my, um, my display goes blank, um, and it's got a display on the front even. Um, but it just, you know, it goes off. Well, so I, I have no idea. It, it's a it's a single-purpose device. It does what it does. You press play, it plays. It uh, record it, it records it right yeah but um you know you press you press record and, and it's my own fault the last time it was because i ran out of storage right uh because i stopped paying attention uh because apparently you know 20 of these is too many yeah, that's a <laughs> fair up bit, 128 yeah. gigs real good so you know 